1: Here's the Fangirls on Jackalope Radio.
2: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of Fangirl Radio. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me, as always, are my lovely fellow Fangirls, Rachel Moore. Good evening. And Wren Wellox. Hello. And uh, this episode is going to be a really special one, especially for you Star Wars fans out there, not to mention hot vampires. Um, we have with us tonight as our interview uh, later is Sam Witwer, which is, he is awesome. He has done so many different um, levels of, of genre geekdom that I can't even begin to say. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, different, many different roles within the Star Wars universe, um, not to mention the Emperor, um, Killer, and soon to be coming to a TV screen near you, a Darth Maul. Oh. Um, Woo. Yeah, yeah. And also, uh, as uh, many of you Sifi uh, fans out there know, he is Aiden on Being Human, the U.S. version. And um, <laughs> he has won my heart in that role. I was very dubious but uh, when that was announced. But um, that show has actually taken off quite well. And I believe they've been picked up for a third season. Yay! So, um, good times with that. And uh, so, uh, without further ado, we're going to get into the Week in Geek. And uh, I have to start off, of course, and apologies to those who have not yet seen it. Um, if you haven't, then you have no excuse because this show is going to be airing on Thursday. That gives you almost an entire week to watch The Walking Dead. Um, and I got to tell you, this, uh, this second, ep- The second, how would you name this? They had their little hiatus, so I guess it's um, season 2.2.2 2. 2. 2. um this uh episode was amazing um i didn't think you could quite top rick just whipping out his piece and blowing away two guys um but uh <laughs> but you know
3: Maze, he, he, well sorry
2: he, he did well take that as you will um oh, but Rachel, it was I uh, tried
1: so hard not to laugh at that
2: I know, and ghostly Amanda, who I forgot to introduce, our ghost, has screeched aloud, he killed Renee! And I knew, I knew the moment I saw it, that they were going to kill him, because he doesn't live through anything. (laughs) He always dies. But, um, but, uh, this was a, a great episode. We got to see the fallout of, um, what happened with that, and also, you get to see a little bit more I've been touting the whole Shakespeare angle on and off for the past couple of days but it truly has become a very Shakespearean tragedy going on here with um, Lori whispering in Rick's ear very Lady Macbeth and then you have Shane doing his best best Othello uh, play in with how he's going to overthrow Rick who is the leader of everyone and, and he's starting his own little a group be, of offshoot. Iago. He's being very much Iago, and cool. and it's it's just gonna come to a head, and it's not gonna be pretty. And plus, you've got Daryl. Oh, my little Daryl Dixon, who's so um, he's he's being you know pulled away from his humanity that he had, and. Um, it's he's tried after the death of Sophia and all of that tragedy he's he's trying to withdraw because it hurts too much to care and he's never really cared so now that he has and he's lost it he's trying to withdraw back Uh, Daryl's everybody's favorite Daryl Dixon has become the like major favorite fan favorite there's even a lot more talk now of him being a part of the comic book Oh, Um, because he's never been in the comic. The Dixon brothers have never been in the comics, so yeah. So, yeah, and there's some fan art out there that is really awesome, where they have recreated the style of the comic books and inserted Daryl, and Uh. he looks awesome. I mean, it's it's some great stuff. So, The Walking Dead definitely brought it. Um, for this next episode, so everyone's all excited, and you know what? I I stuck around and watched Comic Book Man, and um, it's really improved. It, I was gonna give it a shot. I gave it a shot. It's improved somewhat. Um, I kind of like seeing a little bit more of of you know the lives around the guys um, that you get to see. But it still feels very scripted. I mean, Jason Mewes just showing up um, on the second episode, kind of thing, very script feeling. But um, you know, I liked it a little bit more. I did like the whole Batmobile thing; that was cool. But I think it it's really hard
3: because we all want to support Kevin Smith, and we when do. he does things like this, it makes it we he would hate us if we had, if we didn't say what we really thought, you know. But at the same time. You know, you don't want to badmouth somebody you look up to, but at the same time, it, they need—they still need to raise the bar. It's getting better, but there needs to be some significant shifts before it's watchable.
2: Right? They, I, I like the whole, you know, that bit that's Pawn Star like that they have on there, where they bring in the oddball things and the and the cool, like mm-hmm. old old artwork and things like that. But I hate that whole well, is he going to give him $25 or 20 Wait till the next, after the next commercial break, and we'll tell you. Yeah. It, <laughs> who gives a shit? I mean, sorry, but, you know, <laughs> I don't, I like looking at it. Show me more. Tell me the story of how you got it. Like the whole lightsaber um, piece that they had on there was really cool. I like finding out these little tidbits like that. The uh, the guy was talking about the number of, of slots and, and everything, but um, it got better. Hopefully
1: it really hopefully. is. Hopefully it's, it really is a matter of simply finding out the angle of realizing that what people want to see more of is not how much are they going to get for it but the item itself.
2: Right, and and just I'd like to see the daily life in the comic book store and yeah. we're not getting that. Yeah, that too. You know, and and I would like to see that. I would like to see the interaction with everyday dudes and girls that come through the door. But we didn't get that. We get this one spot in the store. I want to see the freaking store. I've never gotten to go into the secret stash, you know. Mm. And I mean, that's po- to me, my mind. I've always built it up like you know, mecca for comic book geeks. Sure. And and I haven't really gotten to see much of the store. So yeah, come on, guys. You're you're you've been getting bashed around by most of the web because of the first episode the second one but it was better you can do better come on so anyway comic book comic book men. um i'll give it another shot i mean you got me in a little bit more i'll I'll stick around cuz i need my filler time bef- between walking dead and once upon a time oh. get <laughs> this week <laughs> it was good i still i hope and pray that we get less of the um the snow and charming stuff because okay i think they've had like four episodes now or something that is focused but you on you know
3: them. they have to do that because they are the central couple that they established at the beginning i'm impressed with how much they have given us via fan service i think they really have realized that the core fans who love the show love the evil characters or the morally amb- ambigui- ambiguous ambiguous characters. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs>
1: ambidextrous.
3: It's good Ambedextra- that i like, no. it's, it's good that I don't talk on radio. <laughs> Rachel talk good now. Um, yeah, but but <laughs> I, I, do... I think that they've they've given us quite a bit more than I expected. Three episodes in, I was like, eh, but they've given me enough that I'll stick around through all the snow stuff.
2: Well, and it's good because they've got good, li- likable actors playing those parts. Because if it was mm-hmm. anyone else, I would have yanked my own teeth out at this point and mm-hmm. bled to death um, in a painful way. Uh, but they're good character actors. I, I enjoy them. They're-, they're sweet. They're not annoying. It's just there's so much there I want to get into. Like, I well, want to know more about Red Riding Hood. They, and I they- think
3: there'll be a lot of time to do that. Jennifer Goodwin, to give her... To give her credit, Jennifer Goodwin is doing so much with playing a Disney character, but also playing the wink at the Disney character. Oh, yeah. And- she could have easily been the most annoying character on the show. And I don't, I don't mind watching her at all. I actually find her quite pleasurable to watch. And um, that was not something I would have said in the first three episodes. I thought she was cloying and horrible. But Jennifer Goodwin has really brought that up.
2: Well, she's, she's, that's what I said. She's a good character actress who she's genuine and they're, and they're all having a great time playing this. Um, but I, like I said, I really, I want to get, there's so many characters there. I guess my, my thing is I'm greedy and I want, I want to know more about everybody and they've done such a great job with these backgrounds on these characters and how they've set it up that I really want to know more about it. Um, and also, part of the problem is the fact that this is going to be the second time they've had a two-week lull between episodes. Ah. Thanks to the effing Oscars this time. Well,
3: Last time at it least was it's so not stressful. like Mad Men where we've waited almost two years for them to come back.
2: I <laughs> mean, we were so spoiled. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and at least we get like a full 24 episodes, I think, on this. Yeah. Um, but they And they've already picked it up, I believe, for a second season. They have, so, yeah. And uh, so that's a good thing. And I, just all around, I've really enjoyed. Um, I've really enjoyed this. I think part of my problem too was this last episode. There was no rumple, and you have to at least have a little rumple in your Once Upon a Time. It only makes it right. But um, <laughs> but I do have to squeal out again as I did on Facebook. Mother F and Tron showed up in this. Thank you Disney for. giving I saw the- you tweet that. Please tell again. me how they. How they referenced Twan, Tron. Okay, so without spoiling too much, um, uh, Henry gets a, a handheld handheld video game and um, uh, Emma shows up next to him and, and sits down and looks at what he's playing and, he go- and she goes, Oh, hey, Space Paranoids. I played that when I was a kid. And it's Space Paranoids from Tron on his handheld. And it's the Yay. real graphics. And I'm just like, bah! you know, I'm like freaking out in my room. And uh, and then I'm like, this yes, is Tron. It made up for the lack of rumble. Ah. So, yeah. And I can only dream about Bruce Boxleitner showing up in Once Upon a Time as some sort of king of the grid or something. I don't know. It'd be nice. <laughs>
1: was it? Was it? Bruce Boxlight? Oh, yes, of course it was Bruce Boxlight. I, I was thinking of the other guy.
2: I was thinking no, of the dude. Bridges would not. I don't think Bridges would show up. No, of course night. Bridges
1: wouldn't. <laughs> that's all I can think of when I think of Tron is I think of the dude. I can't help it.
2: No, I want more Tron in my Tron 3. I want Tron in Tron 3, actually. Thank you very much. But Because um, I was always a Boxlightner girl. <laughs> ever since yeah, cause... Boxlightner was the best. Oh, he's pretty. He's still pretty. pretty. Um, yeah. Yeah, I had
1: no idea either of those guys looked like that when they were that age. I mean, I, I watched <laughs> Tron when... This is a total diversion, I know. But when I was little, I watched Tron, and I loved it, and I thought it was fantastic. But, of course, I was I a was little tiny, and I was just following the stories, and they were just interesting characters. Later, I watched it again, and I was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> God. Like, they're was, just wearing... You know what like, I remember
3: about Tron was that... They're gorgeous. When they, they, filed, they have not, not an answer that. for that. It was this huge deal. And um, you could play Tron, but the only people that anyone knew that had a computer was the um, library. And so the library in Tucson actually set up a special, like, Tron station. So you nice. could go and play Tron. <laughs> well, and I remember... It was like the um, 80s, so it was, like, the most ridiculous <laughs> video game ever. It
2: was so great. I remember um, actually seeing Tron for the first time on LaserDisc. Oh, wow. Nice. And... <laughs> And you actually had to flip it to get to no the way. second. Yeah, you flipped took it out and you flipped it and you put it back in, and um, that was how I first saw it. And it was a big deal because I can't remember how we got a laserdisc display, or We didn't own one either. My sister rented one. I. You know what? I think we did. Oh, this was so long ago. Statutes don't count. I think we um uh we ended up. Renting a laserdisc player, and she ripped Tron from the laserdisc onto VHS. Oh,
3: nice.
2: I, I think that's how we Betamax did it somewhere. Oh my God, Beta! <laughs> and,
3: like in the '90s, the big thing was like the late '90s was if you still had a Betamax player, it would override any of those um, copyright encryptions. <laughs> so you you couldn't burn it from VHS to VHS, but you could burn it from like VHS to. Uh, Betamax. Betamax, even though nobody called it burning it, because, you know. No oh, you didn't
2: burn back then. Right, but, you right, but basically,
3: right. same same concept.
2: Okay, yeah, anybody, the, oh, God.
1: I'm hoping somebody out there will have the same thing pop into their head. Anytime I hear the word Betamax, the only thing I can think of is the Mighty Boosh episode with the Betamax <laughs> monster. <laughs> so, okay, Any anybody else, random weirdos out there who likes Mighty Boosh, that was for you. Betamax Master,
2: Monsters. Um, I have to. I have to bring this up too. I. I, I was doing some research around on uh, stuff for the weekend geek and uh, for the website, and I discovered that we have two upcoming Beauty and the Beast um, TV oh. series, and one of them. It kills me to say this. Has Christian Kruick as as Catherine, who is a police detective, and Vincent. Coslo, which I believe is the last name, Ron Coslo, who created the original series. They're naming him after the guy. And that's on the CW, of course, because it's Ugh. Christian Crook. Um, More
3: importantly, Guillermo Del Toro is making a beauty in the Beast movie.
2: Right, but this that's is... gonna the rock, Beast. though. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. And it's it's got Emma Watson, I believe. Yes! As- Yes. I'm sorry. I
3: know we're talking about TV. I just had to interject that. No,
2: no, much no. Much but it's like girls. it's you know you can blame Once Upon a Time and Grimm for leading towards this. It's been like this upswing on all this fairy tale stuff, and now you've got um, you've got this happening with two separate networks having Beauty and the Beast. Um, I hope the CW one doesn't happen because they're they they have a very bad track record. The only thing they have done lately that is very, very good was the Vampire Diaries, and that really is the re- behind who was in charge of it. But I, I you know, I can't, I, I'm sorry, Smallville fans, I can't stand Kristen Crook, and that it's a slam, I know, because um, our guest Sam Whitwear played Doomsday on Smallville, but I just well, can't.
1: Disliking Kristen Crook doesn't say she anything. Can't, I, I,
2: I sat through the entirety of Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li, <laughs> and that is enough to make you think, oh my god, why? So...
1: She she is beautiful. I mean, like, ridiculously
2: beautiful. But no, she's um, very pretty. That's, but that's I where I leave it. I can't... Uh, and, Sorry. you know... And, <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. But, yeah. um... But there's an, I can't remember which other network. It may very well be ABC. It could be NBC, um... But we do have another um, Beauty and the Beast coming up. Not, I don't know that much about it um, other than it is in the works. And also, I have to bring this up, too, before we bring Sam on. Um, I don't know if you bo- the two of you saw what I posted about the new Sherlock Holmes series coming to uh, CBS. I saw,
1: I saw some of your updates. Which one are you referring Here- to?
2: Um, the fact that it's Johnny Lee Miller and he played the opposite Benedict Cumberbatch right. in the in the Frankenstein stage play. Yeah. Totally. So it's sort of very meta in a way. <laughs>
3: well, when, when I'll give it a I'll give it a, ch- a shot because the truth is Johnny Lee Miller, depending on the director he's working with, is either the best actor in the world or mm-hmm. one of the most mediocre actors in the world. I, I'll, I'll give it. it I'll give and it a so shot I because think that if he has a good director on it and the writers on board, I think that it's worth it's worth checking out.
1: I'll give it a shot because we've already established that I'll watch Dade do anything.
3: Anything. <laughs> Especially if he's wearing a dress. Especially
1: if he's wearing a dress. <laughs> uh, but but control. I but I'm I'm uh, as Ray, as Jay would say I'm dubious.
2: I am very dubious because it's basically exactly the same concept as the amazing Cumberbatch and companies um Stephen Moffat and Mark Gaddis have already established and done well so and, so it's
1: a modern setting yeah. of the same stories yep why are and they New doing York. that
2: why are they because doing that? American television is desperate I can, oh, yeah. I can think you know uh that that's the only explanation I have for it because you know we have like 18 million different CSIs you know they're going to make it very CSI but it's not necessarily
3: a bad thing because the truth is that we've seen with the fairy tale genre so to speak that some really great things have come out of it and we know that when things when different genre or different um, theme shows come up there's always a dozen of them and you know Nine of them are crap, and the rest of the the three that are left are really excellent. So I'm all for it. I think that Sherlock Holmes is something that we need to go back to and explore more, and so... I agree.
1: If they do make it like CSI, though, I will be pissed. I will not... I hate CSI. I will not watch it if it's all... You know, camera it's, zooms into the center, into the middle of someone's body.
3: Oh, what? That. When the Sherlock Holmes movies came out, that was the part of the movie I hated. It, I hated it so much that I thought it was most of the movie. <laughs> <And then my laughs> friend, actually, Troy saw it. Jessica's husband saw it and was like, "You're on crack." That only happened twice. And, yeah, um, I
2: totally well, did. Then,
3: it, I that that it, <laughs> a lot of really like that, really that aspect. Okay. And if so, that if that aspect has to be in there for other people to get interested. In yeah. something I really love. I'm okay with that. So I personally... like, For instance, the Sherlock movies... I'm not their biggest fan. But I'm happy that they're drawing people into the genre. And I don't know without the Sherlock movies... We would have had the BBC show, which I adore.
2: It's probably true. I, I, it's probably pretty true. It, it, it I forget that. <laughs> <doubt. laughs> but you know, I, my thing is... I just want it done right. And you know... A very it, we Like with our guest... And his series on the Sifi channel... Uh, they, it's evident that we can do remakes of UK series well, but it has to be done well, and it has and it requires a good team. Casting Johnny Lee Miller, that's a step in the right direction. So CBS, we're going to give you a shot and let you do it. And um, then if if you fail, you will feel the you ire know, of the fangirls. You know that's what's going to happen. Who's making it? CBS. Yeah, but. Like, who's the show creator? Who's, the, um, who's got his name on it? I, let me look here if they've even got that out yet. I don't even know who the the team behind it is. I just know that I immediately, uh, I immediately um, told, you know, posted to Stephen Moffat and Mark Gaddis about it. Um,
3: Similar era genre pieces. It will
2: be directed by Michael Cuesta. And I believe um, he has done, uh, he did Homeland. He's executive producer on Homeland, which is oh, a great show. That was and really he's also well co-executive producer on Dexter. So okay. it's got the right stuff behind it. It's That's just a, a matter of, yeah, it, we, you know, just don't, I don't want it screwed up and I don't want it to be derivative. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do it at least a, somewhat different.
1: Who would you cast as Watson next to Johnny Lee Miller? <laughs> and oh. not
2: John
3: Krasinski, just because he's the American. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I would have to... Oh, man. Um, that's a hard question. Um,
1: wait, wait, I know who... What was <laughs> the name of the guy that played serial killer in ha- Hackers? Oh, <laughs>
2: oh. Jesus.
1: <laughs> just for giggles. I would totally watch You're that. You're talking <laughs> about um
2: of oh SLC talk. Matthew Lillard. Yes, Matthew. You, Lillard.
3: Know, he wouldn't
2: be a bad Watson. That would be kind of funny actually. actually. He
3: would, I actually love him as a character actor. Yes.
2: Oh, okay, okay, well, I'll well,
3: qualify us for that, but the truth is he's underrated.
2: We will have to pick this up at a later date because I know we have to bring on our new uh, our new guest um, for the night. So um, let me let me introduce you all. Um, we uh, we had the chance to uh, talk with Sam Whitwear about his upcoming projects, his current projects, and his previous projects. Um, and he is a wonderful guy with a lot of uh, just a lot of talent. He's also a uh, singer. He's got a very large dimple that we both all of us love. Um, and he's also very uh, genre friendly and loves all of this stuff just like we do so it's great to talk to someone who's such a great actor and and has a love for this uh for the sci-fi fantasy and horror genre like the rest of us so everybody um i want to welcome sam whitler to the show uh sam is not a stranger to anyone in the realm of sci-fi or horror now um you've been you've been a busy boy you've managed to be a part of Pretty much every major science fiction franchise around at this point. Um, you, you've you've done Star Wars, and now you've uh, you've done BSG, and now you're in Star Trek in the in the Phase Two. How did that come about?
0: I'm in Surface Trek Phase Two. Oh, you're talking about the um,
2: the the. the, on the,
0: uh, the series. You talking about the one that's done by James Callion in those guys?
2: Right, right.
0: Yeah, that was, a, that was a while back. That I, I recorded um, a voice for them um, when I was shooting Battlestar Galactica back in like 2004 or five or something like that. Um, they needed a... That's <laughs> awesome. They, they, you guys brought this up. They needed the Guardian of Forever. And they had some guy... <laughs> they, you know, the big arch where Captain yep. Kirk and Spock. They jump through it and they go back in time. So... So I'm a big fan of the original series, and they showed me an early cut of that episode with The Guardian of Forever. And uh, they had some guy just doing a booming voice with some reverb on it going, you know, from before your son burned out in space and before your race was born and that whole spiel that The Guardian did. And so I said to my buddy Jim Vanover, who was working with them, uh, and has also worked with uh, Michael Kuda on those guys on, on, on Star Trek, like the TV shows, uh-huh. So to Jim, I said, "Listen, um, you, you just have some stagehand guy doing the Guardian's voice. I can do it for you, and I can do it like really well." <laughs> and he's like, "Really?" And I, by the way, I didn't know I could do it really well. I was, I was totally talking on my ass, but I wanted to do it. So I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I could totally do it," you know. And uh, and so then what I ended up doing was um, I had a bunch of recording equipment there with me in in Vancouver while I was shooting Battlestar, and I ended up. um uh, recording it, but limiting the frequency response to simulate the types of pace machines that they had back then. I use a spring reverb, um, simulation rather than like a, a real reverb these days and use all this stuff that they would have used back then. And then tried to try to emulate the voice as well as I could. And, and the cool thing was is that I don't know that a lot of fans noticed that it was a new voice that was recorded for, for the guardian of forever. I think, uh, so that was a nice compliment. That was the, you know, the. we weren't trying to draw attention to me. We were just trying to get the voice right for the Guardian of Forever, you know. So we did it and everyone liked it. So that's cool.
2: That's pretty awesome. I know I was, I, I try to push that, um, that series to everybody because it's such a neat thing that they're doing with it and it keeps going. And the fact that, I think that episode that you were in along with uh, George Takei and everyone actually got nominated for up against stuff like Doctor Who and um, at a, a, one of the big sci-fi award sh- um, things. And I don't think it won, but it, it got nominated with, like, I think Battlestar Galactica was up for the same award too. So,
0: right, right. Yeah, it was very well written.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. Well, um and I know uh, I wanted to cover a little bit of your background with, with all the other stuff that you, you've had done, that you're doing, and, and as well as being human for sure, because I'm very happy to hear that you guys got picked up for a third season, so congratulations on that. Thank um, you. Oh, it's it's such a good show. I wanted to talk about that, um, actually. Well, not a lot of shows can follow up to the success of their the original UK versions over here in the States. It um, right. we've We've had some that just crashed and burned horribly and then we've had a couple that have made it but being humans one of definitely the success stories and uh i wanted to ask you how it felt to be a success um one of those success stories and following in the footsteps of of such a a great show and and how that was to kind of take over from them
0: well it was at, at first i was preparing the cast for like this tremendous backlash i was like oh we're we're gonna get killed we're going to get eaten alive. And I said, you know, don't take it personally. I mean, the same thing happened with the Battlestar remake um, as I was around then. And you know, when people talk about Battlestar Alaska now. They talk about what a great series it is. They they don't talk about people angry about Starbucks being a girl, you know, and they, they, they don't talk about how a lot of people really hated that series when it came out. And you know, now it's just remembered for being one of the best TV series of all time. So I said, look, it doesn't really matter what people say about us until maybe the third or the fourth season. Um, so, you know, don't, don't listen to what they say. And then, to my surprise, um, the British fans who were sharpening the claws, they, uh, they really just kind of let us be. It's kind of, uh, they, they backed off and they didn't, they didn't go after us. So, uh, so I was really pleased about that.
2: Well, the one thing, I, I was kind of, I, I was one of those people, I was like, oh, how can they improve on it? How can they be as good? Because it was, it's so such a great show. Um, and Aiden Turner and, and well, Aiden Turner and the cast are so, you know, when, when you see the originals, you always are ingrained in their head that those are the people. But you guys yeah. have taken them and made them your own, which I was really impressed with. Um, especially with with, uh, with Aiden, what you've done with him. And I was also very surprised that this show is a lot darker than in some spots than the UK one, which I thought was amazing uh, to me. Because that show yeah, got pretty dark, one, but you've went...
0: <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up, because we... <laughs> I remember reading someone saying, or it was like a review, and it was after we aired our first episode, our first, right? We didn't even... Air the second, which you know, basically the first and second episodes are, are part of the same episode. It's a two-parter. And after our first episode, um, someone goes, "Yeah, well, you know, the, it's you know, the the American version, it's okay, but it's not as dark as the British version." And it, I remember just being been like, you know, are you <laughs> are you aware enough to realize that you are comparing our first episode to the entirety of the British street? Are you aware of that? Are you aware that we can't start? Um, with everyone dying, you know, I mean, come on, like, you have to have some place to go with it, right, so, so this is, you know, I was like, I can't wait till they see what we do with our Bernie plot line because in the British series, they, they just send it, kind of send the Bernie kid off on a train to Vampire Land, where he lives happily ever after, and that is what happens to Bernie in our show. Um, so,
2: that was what I was gonna say, well, I mean, you, you kill off, like, four or five kids
0: in this. Yeah. Yeah, kids, it's, it's like, it's sci-fi's way, right? Like, everything's around more kids die on that channel all the time. Um, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up, because it's, it's something that a lot of fans were not really receptive to at first, in terms of, like, you know, and, and we all knew it. We're like, well, we know what's coming on our series, and,
2: uh, you know, but you
0: do have to give us time to get there. We can't start being the darkest show in the world doesn't make any sense. Uh, another thing that, that that we we didn't start with, and we just decided not to, was uh, the chemistry between the cast members. You know, that um, was something that that you know I remember people would comment on the first few episodes. Yeah, the chemistry isn't quite there. It's still pretty good, but it's not quite there. And you know that was irritating for us to read because we're like, yeah, we were told not to, because we would be doing scenes, and the comedic timing was really really sharp. And uh, at that point, our, our producers would approach us and say, listen, you guys got to tone it back because in our show, you just met each other. In the British show, there's an indeterminate amount of time uh, that they've been together. And at least that's how it feels, you know. Like they, their pilot had a different cast, And then they picked up and they've been living in the house together and they're talking like they all know each other. So you can get away with a lot there. Well, in our series, you see them meet each other. And you, you know exactly how long they've been in there. So in in terms of living in a house together, so you can't, you know, if we had had the comedic timing be as uh, as sharp as it, as we wanted to make it, you know, as, as us cast members wanted to make it, it would have felt like a sitcom. You know, it would have felt like three's company because it's, it's you know people don't talk that way if they, unless they know each other. And uh, and then after about episode seven, they're like, okay, yeah, do whatever you want. We're ready to believe that you guys can have that kind of chemistry. Because me and Sammy and Megan, it was an instantaneous thing when we met each other. We just
2: immediately
0: we all have the same sense of humor and we immediately knew how to work with each other. And so it's it's been really a wonderful thing.
2: Well and also that people need to realize that over in the UK you only have six episodes a season. And here yep. you've got a full season to fill and you can flesh out those storylines a lot deeper. Because you have yeah. more time to do it, and um, that's
0: precisely it. So we, we took our time with a lot of things because we had the time. That's that's very correct.
2: Well, and the other thing was too. Uh, one of the darker parts that I was like, "Wow!" I that was the miscarriage, and that just threw me. I was I was impressed that they had that happen. I, I was very surprised. I was like,
0: "Yeah." And yeah. That was, uh, and, and if you think the show's dark. Uh, in the first season you ain't see nothing yet because it gets much much darker this season.
2: Oh, I already it has. Already it has. <laughs> Man. So uh, so I wanted to talk to you briefly and I don't know how comfortable you are talking about it but I had to give you some props for what you did um which is now a legend within the the Walking Dead fandom and when you did the rant and um the the walking, I call it the Walking Dead rant. Um, and I was ah. so, I was so happy to hear someone tell it how they really felt and and talk about Frank because you weren't fettered, but like a lot of the other people were that I know there were out there that felt the same way. Um, yeah. but um, I wanted to know how, what kind of reaction you've gotten yourself about that, if any.
0: Well, I don't think AMC's ever gonna hire me. <laughs> that's one it's one reaction. Um in terms of uh Frank uh liked it. I mean in terms of, of his specific reaction, I think I'll just keep it between me and him, but he uh I think it's safe to say that he felt um he he liked that I did that. He felt vindicated. Um he um yeah he said some very nice things to me um at a dinner recently concerning that um and then i've i talked to one ca- one main cast member and uh and then another guy who's on the production staff um very important person i, I don't really want to name it who um but the good news is is that they're they they're glad I did it um because you know look i don't have any i don't have <laughs> any <answer>, nancy uh, <call, laughs> you know call me up and threaten me. To not say anything, so that's and that's basically why I I said it. I mean, I, I didn't plan on saying any of that. I uh, someone asked me, and so I shared my opinion. Um, um, and that was, by the way, six months before that that article came out. So it was while wow, everything was fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, but but basically, uh, the, the good news is, I mean, look, I I, I I went far with it, and I really, you know. It, I I was afraid that maybe I'd spoken out of turn and and I've spoken now to some, you know, the Frank and some other people who are key to that production and, and they've thanked me. So it it seems that I represented their interests. Um, not terribly. Uh, I didn't, I didn't do a horrible job.
2: No, I thought you, I thought you were very eloquently angry and, and rightfully so. So props to you for that, sir. I thank you for that. Well,
0: and, and I also want to say I, I think it's still a great show and I think it's it's a show that's worth supporting because there's wonderful there's there's still wonderful talent on that show. There's there's really great people working on that show. Yeah. And uh I'd like to see it succeed. Um but that doesn't mean that I'm happy about how things went
2: down. Yeah. It, exactly. Down. I mean it's still an amazing show and there's lots of good, good people that are working on it, they're are keeping it a good show. Um yes. it's yeah. just, they, they really yeah. You said it. I don't have to repeat it. You said everything exactly the way everybody was saying and thinking. So we I wanted to thank you as well from a lot of my friends for that.
0: Oh but, uh, thank you. I, I it's funny because I've been you know, when it all surfaced I mean I never expected it would make it across the internet, but when it when it surfaced I think the the sentiment with me and my with, with my friends was, Oh, good job, Sam, and never do that again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's basically it. But you did a great job, and, and also I think now people are like more pissed at AMC because we'll never get to see that episode. <laughs> yeah, hey, well, then
0: that that was the thing. You know, that was in terms of selfishly for myself, I, I was you know oh, it's too bad that we didn't get to do that. Um, I mean, it, you know, I not it's, and it's not because of the you know it's a job or whatever because I'm 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 pretty busy. um I don't need the work, but I just wanted, I just wanted to, to do that. I thought it was a great idea. And and I thought it was an idea that really illustrated um, wow. that these zombies, every one of them were people. Every one of them had an interesting story that led them to where they were. So, you know, every time you see a walker go down with a shot to the head, that was a person, you know? Right. That, was, that was what it said to me. And as soon as Frank called me up and, and expressed the idea, I'm like, that's brilliant because that's what it says. Um, but you know the good news is it's, it's you know it, it, I have no interest in, in railing at, at AMC at this point because my friend is uh, you know he's done just fine since then. Like they're you know Frank is uh, is moving into some really exciting stuff, and um, and that's really all I care about at this point. Is that, right. You know, right. He's okay. So, well, and I, you know.
2: I, I, would have, I would have hoped that they could have done like what they did with the web, the the torso zombie, and done a webisode based around it. But yeah, yeah, it would have been neat. That would have worked. You could have done that. But uh, you know, but you're right. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's moved on, and it's doing. It blew away the ratings this last the premiere that they had over um, Valentine's Day weekend. So it's
0: doing good. Yeah, but, I, I'd like to see it succeed. I really would. And and again, it's like it's. Uh, you know, it's it is what it is. Everything has happened, and at this point, it's it's actually been all for the better, especially for Frank. So I'm I'm just happy that, that it all you know it's all concluded, and and uh, I think I can calm down. You
2: know. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, but I just wanted to, like I said, I wanted to say thanks for that because at the time, it really helped a lot of people kind of express themselves. So good on you. Um, oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, But I wanted to talk about Star Wars for a minute or two. (laughs) Because you've got, um, I absolutely love the Clone Wars series. And you have probably one of the coolest parts upcoming, and I don't know how much of it you can talk about, um, in that show.
0: Well, let me ask you a question. Um, And and are you editing this to be aired to people, or are you going to make this into an article, or how is this going to work?
2: Um, it's, it's going to air on a radio show.
0: Okay. So, so I've been asked that any talk that I do about what you're about to ask me, that I can do it so long as it shows up a week from now, not, you know, not any time before that.
2: Then if it's a week from now, that's perfect because this is going to air in, in a next week's show.
0: The next week's show. and is that that's Wednesday or when is
2: that? Um, it's going to be not this coming Thursday, but the following Thursday. Fantastic. Perfect. All right, great. So ask away, go for it. I'm awesome. happy to talk about it. Woohoo. Um, so you're going to be freaking Darth Maul.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah and- I know. You know, it's, it's, I thought I had the coolest character when it came to the, uh, the sons on, on Mortis on those three episodes. Um, yeah. I mean, hell, like Liam Neeson is in the episodes and like, I get to be the dark side of the force and, you know, come on, that's really awesome. But little did I know because, because, Bologna told me when we did that, he said, listen, I, I might have something for you down the road. And I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be a bounty hunter. Cool. Which, by the way, I don't know, every time the, when he called me originally for the, for the Son of Mortis, I assumed it was like three lines I was going to be a bounty hunter. because I know that Dave Bologna you know, he played Force Unleashed and he's familiar with it. So I'm like, oh, it's going to be a bounty hunter. And then I find out it's, it's the dark side of the Force. It's like, oh, cool, right? <laughs> so then when... When when we started when we were finishing that up, he said, "Listen, there's something down the road for you, uh, but we can't talk about it yet." And, and, I, and I'm thinking, "Oh, it's a bounty hunter again." I went right back to that. Oh, I'm playing some little bounty hunter. I'm always like, <laughs> low my expectations. And, uh, and then I, I'm driving over to a buddy's house, um, and I get this call from Dave Filoni, and he's like, "Okay, so listen," and, and, and it's you know, it's he gets on the phone and he goes. Um, I need someone to play Darth Maul. Um, can you do it? <laughs> and, and what he was asking me is like, did I think that I could do it? You know, and uh, the way that I respond to questions like that is I say yes. And then I worry about whether I could do it later. <laughs> so, so I said, yes, of course. Yes. Yes. I uh, do an amazing job. And, uh, and then he starts talking to me about why he's calling me up, like what he needs from the character and why he thought of me, and uh, and and the stuff that he told me was just absolutely amazing, and and uh, really wonderful, dark, awful stuff. And uh, and then also uh, on top of that, um, it was strangely in line to what I thought um, could have been done with the character. Because uh, I mean, my Star Wars—you know—I I got a lot of buddies who are Star Wars fans and fans. We could talk when the prequels are coming out, like, when there's a theory coming out, like, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if Darth Maul somehow survived, right? But, but that the cost of surviving was extremely high, that it wasn't necessarily worth it, <laughs> that it was, now you know, somehow the dark side kept him alive. And we talked about just how grieved and sad this character would be. And so then when I received this, you know, when, when I get this call from Dave and we're talking about it, it's it's strangely in line with what I thought Could have been done in the films, and so uh, so I was very excited about
2: that. that. Well, how they did it in one of the comics was they made him half bionic, and uh, yeah. So uh, I don't know if that's how they're doing it in this. I just think it's cool as hell that Clancy Brown's your brother. And and, and, tell me about it. (laughs) I mean, God, I I want.
0: the the thing that, again, to, just to respond to the, the bionic thing, I, I, I obviously can't tell you any details, but the thing that I was, the thing that's, the, that me and my buddies talked about wasn't necessarily the, um, wasn't necessarily the, the sci-fi aspects of bringing Dark Maul back, like, oh, he, did, he had bionic legs. It was more the psychological, psychological elements. And oh, yeah. The, the, the psychological damage that would have been done to this character. And, uh, and that is what um, these episodes have in a big way. And what's wonderful about it is that it's not what people. Character is not what people expect. I mean, I've read, you know, just as sort of part of my education on the character. I read the comic books where he's running around and doing cops for Darth Sidious and all that stuff, and and he's he's really just a. He's very soft-spoken, you know, he's a soft-spoken guy, doesn't say a lot, and kills a bunch of people, and that's basically what he was in the film, right? Um, yeah, We've endeavored to make him into a full-on character. We've we've really worked to give him a real personality, and to make him, and you don't necessarily see this this season, but you're definitely going to see it uh, later on down the road. Um, You're going to see that he's actually ridiculously intelligent, and he's... Tactically and strategically minded, and he's trained, and he's charming at times, and he's he's also he's kind of got the emperor's sense of humor. Um, so you know, you, you see that this guy is like this guy. Yeah, he was he was absolutely a damn good Sith apprentice to Dark Sidious, and uh, and you know, I think people are all th- you know they're thinking he's just this this muscle, you know, he's just this like hitman guy. It's like no, oh, there's a lot more to him than that than that.
2: So, can you um, can you do the voice?
0: No, I can't. I absolutely cannot do the voice. You're going to have to wait um, because it's coming out very soon. So you have to wait just a little longer.
2: Ah, uh, darn it! I was going to try, uh, <laughs> but I, I was just amazed. I thought I, my mouth just fell open when I saw that he was coming back to the show because I—he was such, a, you know. You're right. He was like one of the most wasted characters I thought in the entire trilogy in the in the in the prequels, and so it just makes me very happy to see he's finally getting some due. So, well, believe me, yeah.
0: we, we we get our mileage out of the character. I mean, I mean mm-hmm. he is. Um, I, I think they've they've revealed he's not just gonna be in a one shot or a couple of episodes. He's around for a while. So cool. uh so we get to we get to really get to know him in, in a way that we never did. And I gotta say I it was one of the things I left best about the scripts is that I'm like my God, he's he's a he's a character, he has motivations, he has personality, he has talents, he has things he's good at and things he's not so good at. I mean it was all very well drawn and uh and I thought far more interesting than then uh I mean look, not to not to I, I'm not I don't mean to badmouth the comics when I say this, but he's much more interesting than he than he was in the comics. So a lot of the reason why he was the way he was in the comics is that they didn't particularly know if he'd ever be back. So they kept it they kept you seeing what you saw in Phantom Menace, you know? But right. we get to because because we're working with George and we're uh, we're getting our directors from him, we get to really show you a very specific character. With a very specific personality, it's not general at all, and uh, that's what's really wonderful. about it. I'll tell you something: the, the Darth Maul character, you know, you know, just takes you know, forget it's animated, forget it's this, forget it's that. It's it's a really wonderful role. It's an incredible role, and uh, there's a lot going on there.
2: Nice. I, I'm excited about it. I, I I was very impressed with the cartoon and how it just it just it's not cartoony. I don't know how to no, describe it it's in it, speaking to that, I know there was a I don't know if you can speak to this at all, but the rumor about the the live action series and you being a part of it as, as star killer how how feasible is that possibly to happen?
0: I don't think Starkiller's in it i don't I don't think he is um, in terms of uh in terms of me appearing in the live action uh, series like I mean you never know. Um, the fact is, is I'm, I'm that stuff's all above my grade I, I don't really know what they're doing, I know, I know Filoni knows and some, uh, some handful of other people um, but they they do not share that specific information with me, nor should they um, so it, it's basically I know that they have like 50 um, 50 episodes written and I know who some of the writers are because I ran into them at the ranch and I've worked with some of them so. but uh but other than that, I uh, I don't really know much about it. Um, but certainly, I'd, I'd love to do it. I mean, my, you know, it's funny, I, I kind of, I'm hoping that it takes them a good few years to get it up and running so that I can get done with being human and, and really make a play for it.
2: Oh, man, that would be great. I would love to see yeah. that. Um, so, speaking to one little thing that I, 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 I did not realize it was you until later on, which was... Uh, Greg Nicotero's, um, we're kind of going from the Star Wars stuff here, but Greg Nicotero's Universal Monster um, Talent Agency, you were Dracula. Did you yeah. <laughs> Did you do that before being human or after you found out that you were going to be a vampire?
0: Right as I was leaving for being human, as I understand it. I, I, think, they, I think that's what was happening. Yeah, I was re- leaving for being, being human shortly afterward, and, uh, and um, yeah. Yeah, that's how that happened. And uh, it was funny, uh, because Lichotero just he wanted me there because he felt like he could paint fellow Lugosi's face on my face, but that they were somehow compatible.
2: The dimple. uh, It has to be the dimple.
0: Yeah, that's right, exactly. We have lines in our face at the same places, approximately, and uh, they'll say they do a fantastic job. It was really fun to do that.
2: I love that thing, and I wish he'd make a a full-on feature of it. I know he was talking about it, and I, I love Greg. He's he's a great guy, and I'm trying to get him on the show too, eventually, if his crazy schedule will out. But um, so yeah, you with- should. He's,
0: he's he's awesome. I love Greg. is is a is a really great guy, and I had a chance to catch up with him recently and just see how he was doing. And uh, he's, I guess, A and B has moved to a new spot, and there's a whole bunch of exciting stuff going on for them. So yeah, you should totally get him on.
2: I would love to. I, I I've hung out with him before at shows and things, and he's he's just hilarious, and he knows everybody, and everybody loves him because he's such a nice guy. So I yeah, really, yeah. I, I knew that was a big um, dream for him to make the creature and to get all the my, the Universal monsters together in one one spot, and he did oh, a great and dude. T- like the
0: the makeup was incredible, was incredible, right? I mean, that that creature was like, for example, yeah. there's a. Um, a friend of me in in Darabonts, a guy named David Scow, who uh, is a really well known uh, novelist, and and actually among other things, he wrote the Crow screenplay. Oh yeah, um, David Scow, he's
2: awesome. I,
0: I he's yeah, great- yeah. So <laughs> David is a huge creature from the Black Lagoon fan, and so he, uh, you know, he was on set. They they used him as um, I think he was like Frank's camera assistant, you know, because Frank's <laughs> in the in in the film.
2: He's but, uh
0: yeah, like Greg was a director, and I think Davey was the cameraman, like the old school 1950s cameraman. But like Davey wanted to come just because he wanted to see a realized, accurate creature suit, you know. And uh, it was it was really well done.
2: Oh, I know. Well, he when Greg showed me the the um, lobby cards that they'd made, the fake lobby cards, and I about I I was like, wait a minute, this is oh my god, it's not the original film. Holy crap! I mean it. Yeah. it yeah. It was just spot on. He did a great, yeah. I just loved that thing to death.
0: Well, You know what else was was really well done was the uh, King Kong. Like it looked stop action, you know. It, it wasn't. It was a. I think it was a rod puppet, but it sure as hell looked like it was stop action I me. Mean.
2: Oh, it did. The whole thing was very authentic, and and just the um, the Wolfman stuff too with Dana Gould and and I yeah. just. I I, I absolutely loved it. They did such a great job. And that's just showing you how much he loves those monsters. He's the man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I was going to say, you've done your share of... I know I'm I'm keeping you over here, and I'm going to wrap it up here shortly. Um, But I wanted to ask you, because you've... um, You've you've done so much stuff within the sci-fi community. You've done so much stuff um, with comics with with Smallville and all of that. Have you had any thoughts on writing anything on your own, like either comic book wise or possibly like a short film or a feature?
0: I have a, a really fun. Um, well, there's a couple things that, that that could happen. I have a really fun uh, romantic comedy that I wrote. That's just out there. It, it's it's. Uh, the character would be similar to sort of your you know your your fanboy out there except it's not necessarily a, a movie that's all about referencing other movies it's not that it's not a movie where it's you know it's specifically targeted at you know a guy who can't stop talking about Star Wars but it's definitely <laughs> that generation and it's, you know, it's out there and it's really funny so I'd love to do that and then there's also um some animated um show concepts that we're throwing out there that uh me and um and glenn howerton are developing glenn Hallerton is uh one of the producers and stars of always funny in philadelphia
2: oh funny nice yeah so um i i would love to uh, right now is the time for that the romantic comedy for sure especially they have like a a, a show called geek love I know it's not like pure geek uh, writing, but this is the time for that kind of thing. I think you'd it'd do really well, for sure. Yeah, I I, I certainly
0: think so. I mean, the uh, the feedback I've gotten on it is that the characters feel very modern in, in the way that uh, that you'd want them to. It's just my my concern is you know I was like yeah I want to I want to represent that group, but it's you know I'm not I'm not into in the uh, not that I have anything against like, movies that reference other movies or that are just all about, you know, this weird code language, but I'm not really interested in doing that. I'm, I'm really kind of more interested in telling an interesting story about um, about this generation, more like an American graffiti, but just for, for this generation, you know?
2: Well, yeah, and, and the one thing that I'm getting kind of tired of is... Um, as a as as I I consider myself, you know, name of the show. I'm a, I'm a fangirl I get tired of it feeling forced. Like yeah. we don't talk about that all the time.
0: Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. We're not. Yeah. Cartoon- well, you know,
0: that's totally my yeah. That is exact, exactly my my take on it. That that I feel like oh no no these are the guys who have in depth conversations about Star Wars. Absolutely. These guys totally do that. However, I'm not going to put it in the damn movie. Who wants to watch two guys talk about another movie? Let's, let's have <laughs> them be in their own movie. You know, let's let's have them have their own little adventure.
2: Yeah, have exactly. Adventure. Well, Sam, thank you so much. And I don't know if you can do this. I was going to ask a favor. If you can do it, if not, I totally understand. If you're if you can't. But I was going to ask you if you could do like a little plug for us, um, just like a little a little blurb in in whatever voice you want to do. I know you can do a spot on emperor, but would you mind doing something like that for us? Because you have like one of the best voices out there right now.
0: Do <laughs> <laughs> you mind if I just do it myself?
2: Is that okay? It, that's fine. You, you can do a line like something like, I don't know, you, can, you cannot resist the power of the fangirls or something like that. This, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right.
0: Cool. That's cool.
2: Awesome. That is, go for it.
0: All right. Hey, this is Sam Whitworth from uh, Being Human and Clone Wars, uh, saying to you that you cannot resist the power of the Sand girls.
2: Yes. Thank you so much.
0: Awesome. You just, that was just, awesome.
2: Yeah, you just made Todd's day too, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Happy to help.
2: Well, thank you so much, Sam, and I really appreciate it. Keep up the good work, man. And you, like I said, you've won me over with Aiden. I was—I'm a huge fan of of the original Being Human, and and you made him your own. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you,
0: thank you very much. Thanks
2: for telling me that. All right, guys. Thank you so much, Aiden, Sam. I appreciate it.
0: Appreciate it. See you guys. Thank Bye-bye. you. on the wheel There's
1: a voice in my head That drives my heel It's my baby calling and Says I need you here And it's a half past four And I'm shifting gear My The newsman sang his same song.
0: Oh, one more read, I love her, God. When I get lonely, and I am sure I've had enough, she says, The comfort.